It's Monday, October the 10th, and we have the Reitzers with the soon-to-be-open Acacia. Restaurants opening, restaurants closing, and there's a new jewel in Church Hill. Thanks, Eileen. Welcome to Eat It, Virginia. Hello, and welcome to Eat It, Virginia. Your number one podcast source for food news and interviews with the people who make Virginia restaurants great. Follow us on social media at Eat It Virginia and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. My name is Scott Wise and I am joined as always by my friend, my friend, Roby Martin. We are on a roll, Roby Martin. With our house of dra- our dragons and sigils and all those things. That's exactly right. I feel like we have another... Another kingdom that we're exploring today. We did not ask him what his sigil is, but I feel like it would be a seafood too. I think so. Tell the folks who we're talking about. We're talking about Aline and Dale Reitzer. We had both of them on today. And man, the after parts that we don't record make me crazy sometimes. Because he talked about how you can tell the difference between a summer rockfish and a winter rockfish. And my mind was blown. I should just keep the computer rolling through all these post comments. It's like the, it's like the, it's like a Marvel movie. The, the post credit scenes. I'm gonna give them the cliff notes because if anybody who is into food as much as I am, this is really really cool. So the summer rockfish obviously eats like crabs and shrimp and things, so it's sweeter and has less fat content. So you can flash fry it super super fast. And then the winter rockfish eats all these oily things, so you have to cook it real slow because of the content of fat that it has in it. Mind blown. So the Reitzers owned own Acacia. They owned it in opened it in Carytown in the '90s, moved it to Fan Adjacent in the 2000s, and now they're opening up Acacia Libby Mill Midtown, yes. or is it just Midtown? I think they'd call it Midtown. Um, Libby Mill is where it is. I think they're trying to make Midtown a thing, which I'm down with because I live very nearby. That Libby Mill development is like a slow creeping banger of a space for restaurants. Like there's Shag Bark, there's Crafted, there's a Starbucks drive through, which we there's all There's going to be a beer place of. opening up, right? There, like on the corner there? Yes. I forget the name, but crazy. So we will talk about the Reitzers and Acacia and all of their plans and their history, which is fascinating, and the chefs that came out of Dale's Kitchen, which is fascinating. But first, the restaurant opening and closings, as I can remember, we've had a change of hands over at Toast. Our so friends Josh, Josh and, and Jess, Jess are keeping the Toast Winterfield in Chesterfield. Yeah, um, they are transferring let's call that to robert and his wife grant robert graham who was part of eat restaurant partners okay and chris staples who was once the one of the big manager type people and a former podcast guest yes um i think we should have them on and talk about this so they said in on instagram at least that they're keeping toast the way it was but they're adding to it do you have any insight um i have none Okay, <laughs> moving right, <laughs> moving right along. As you can tell, Roby and I practice this podcast before we bring it to the masses. No, I mean I probably know some things, but I don't know anything I can tell. But it'll actually come out in some other news point. The stuff that I know, i.e., Odyssey Fish. Bam, bam, bam. Gotcha. But I did get the press release about the Emerald Lounge and Slurp Ramen, which I don't know if you know about that, but the group behind 
the Jasper yes. and Carytown Cupcakes and the Ten Pan. Yes, are opening uh, in addition to the Ramen Spot uh, Cocktail Lounge in Churchill. So that. It's going to be more like a tiki bar. I was at the Jasper a couple of weeks ago at the bar talking to T, also a former podcast guest of ours, and he was super excited about what's happening up on Churchill. I'm pretty excited. I think the neighbors up there are pretty excited also. Yeah, I think we're going to move there. So many good restaurants. You and I? Yes, you and I. Nice. Get a studio right there next to the Emerald Lounge, or maybe they'll just put a couch in the back for us, and we can just drink tiki drinks and, and record podcasts. Our first podcast guest ever, Mike Lindsay, opened up a new steakhouse this month. Have you seen the pictures? I have seen the pictures. Have you ever seen such a pretty fat steak? <laughs> <laughs> looks pretty awesome. Yeah. And this is in the old Fatty Smokes spot on Broad Street where he obviously opened Fatty Smokes as part of Eat Partners. Yes. So House Lindsay is expanding by one again. LFG. If anybody has been to the new steakhouse and wants to give us a review, please hit us up on social media or eatitvirginia at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on Mike's new spot. I need to hear about fat, pretty steaks. I have to. Um, we have a couple closings that are kind of Mm -hmm. Our friend Michelle Wilson, Mom Michelle, had to close her spot down in Midlothian. But she's doing restaurant consulting, and I think that that's a great space because she's like a super great mentor, so that'll be pretty awesome. And Yeah, a great mentor and a great person, and we wish her the best. Another one of our podcasts. We've we've talked to a lot of pretty amazing people over the years. Yes, um, 89 of them. 89 of them? Yeah, plus three because we have some have been double. So we've talked to almost 100 restaurateurs in Richmond. It's pretty incredible. Let's pat ourselves on the back. Yeah, this is a small pat. Um, Who else? I got other closings that I don't want to talk about because they're scarring me right now. Let's talk about them after our conversation with the Reitzers. I actually think that he spawned every good chef in Richmond. It's funny you say that because I feel like we've interviewed so many chefs around town the last two and a half years, and this name pops up as the mentor or the the first job or something like that. You know, last podcast, you were talking to Dean and you were discussing like houses. Yeah, the Game of Thrones houses. I believe there would be a house right there. Hi, guys. So... Let's walk through how both of you all got into the restaurant industry. And I want to know actually also how you met. Uh, I guess I'll take that. <laughs> um, well, here's how we met. Um, it was pre-Frog and Redneck, right before it opened. Um, I had come up from Florida to uh, help Jimmy open the Frog and Redneck, uh, taking over the kitchen. But it wasn't quite ready yet, so it was pre-construction. So I got to learn how to do some drywall and put carpet down and stuff like that. And I was in the moment of hanging drywall when the front door, there was a knock. And so I got down from the ladder. I walked, I'm just dressed in complete construction dirt. And there she is, my future wife, waiting to have an interview with legendary Jimmy Sneed. And so, of course, I opened the door and I let her in and I lead her to back where they're doing the interviews and such and that was the first time i saw her and then after that it became history did angels appear and was there music and harps well she definitely had a certain small violin yeah she definitely had a certain flair that i had not seen from richmond women before she was from new jersey and so i knew that she was a lot different than some of other women i've seen in my life so it was a it was spontaneous 
You rolled down from Jersey and decided you wanted to work for Jimmy Sneed? So I was in the restaurant business in New Jersey working for Craig Shelton, um, who had the Ryland Inn, which was one of the only at that time New York um, rated restaurants. And I'd worked there for a bit over a year and decided I wanted to do something else and had applied um, the end of Little Washington, another restaurant in um, Short Hills, New Jersey. And Jimmy Sneed had come up and done a James Beard event at the Ryland Inn. So I had met him and my aunt and uncle lived in Williamsburg and I'd already done an apprenticeship program at the Trellis and we had eaten at Windows on Urbana Creek. So I was familiar with Jimmy and I was hired at all three places, or offered a job at all three places. Um, I came down for three interviews with Jimmy Sneed, and they were not your typical interviews. They lasted for hours. Um, and I thought, you know, this is a fun, new, exciting spot to be a part of. Um, and I was hired actually as an assistant manager until they found out how old I was um, and was a bit younger than what they had thought. But I had had some experience. But Dale opened the door for me and um, took me around the back and... Um, the other piece of the story is he came out of the kitchen once we were all doing the training with the, the initial staff. And, um, you know, he his point of view or his story of it is that everybody thought he was working construction and out he comes in his chef's whites and he's the, the chef de cuisine for the, for the restaurant. And so I think that threw a bunch of people. It didn't really bother me one way or the other. He caught my eye right away and... Uh, um, after a couple of, you know, weeks, I think, um, a couple of us were going out after work and I actually had put a sheet pan on his station that had just come out of the oven because they did their own, like baked the bread for the customers and it was a late guest. And so I did that and I left it on his station. And so he likes to say that I burned him. And, um, <laughs> the first of many, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but so we went out and, you know, with a whole group of people and it just, you know, it was that was just it. That and that oh, that's so <laughs> cool. The frog and the redneck. Oh, they oh, yay! I remember that restaurant. I was gonna say. So I grew up in Richmond. I don't never dined at the frog and the redneck, but I remember it being like the buzz place for forever. For yeah, for like almost. I don't want to say the first Richmond buzz restaurant, but I, I feel like that's kind of the foundation off of which a lot of Richmond's restaurant success was built. What was it about that restaurant that made it so incredible? Well, absolutely, Jimmy. I mean, Jimmy is a very passionate, outspoken, opinionated person. And, you know, he gets the reference around town as being an asshole. And, you know, no people who truly know him would not agree with that. I mean, he's got his moments, that's for sure. But, I mean, that guy would do anything for someone if they needed something. And, you know, I think having mentors is super important in life and he was one of my mentors and you know he really pushed me to the limits you know there was a lot of times when I was like forget this this is way too much work way too hard but you know every day I got through it and made me the person I am today and the chef I am today because it was him you know you know anybody can say oh it's okay you'll you know we'll figure it out but not him he's like dude get in there and figure it out and you know I did, you know, and sometimes I made a lot of mistakes, but man, I learned from those mistakes and then, you know, and pushing myself, you know, daily made me be able to handle a lot on my plate. So, you know, I 
will always cherish that, you know, and you know what he did for me and how he pushed me and what he taught me and how to be open minded and stick to my guns and be passionate about things. He's he's seen a lot of success because he's so talented. I think that a lot of people feel very similarly to you. I think Jimmy is one of the most revered individuals. And maybe maybe there is some individuals that don't like him, but it's just because he's so talented. Yeah. You know, you always try and despise what it is you want to be. So that's how it goes. I love the fr- we I had a homecoming date, I believe. At the, we came from Farmville, Virginia to wow. go to and then what was the French restaurant, I think, that was around at the same time in the West End? There were two pretty fine restaurants in Richmond, and that was all I knew of, was that one and uh, the Frog and the Red Neck. It'll come France? to me. No. Yeah, La yeah. Petite France, oh, yes. Petite yeah. France, yep. yeah. I mean, it had escargot, so obviously we yeah, thought yeah. it was pretty fancy, mm-hmm. so that's yeah. kind of where our head. Farmville fancy. Farmville fancy is <laughs> snails, for sure. So when did the idea of acacia come into play first of all how long did you all date and then when did you decide to open a restaurant because did they coincide no so we were together for two years here in richmond and after that he he had already worked for jimmy i think you worked from for a total of eight years yeah pretty much between windows and the frog um and so after two years being at the frog he wanted to do something else and jimmy had already made some arrangements and he'd worked out in California for Joaquim. Um, and so Jimmy said, or Dale went to Jimmy and said, you know, I'm ready to go do something else. So kind of set out some feelers and we took a month and kind of traveled um, and checked out a couple of places. Um, My family is in Europe. And so we went over there for a little while and went to New York. And one of the opportunities was in Atlanta and it was for Gunther Seeger. And so we ate there and um, proposed there. And then we lived in Atlanta for two years. And then we came back. And when we came back, we knew we wanted to do something. You know, I came back and Jimmy was thinking about starting to launch a restaurant empire. (laughs) And at the time, he was partners with Mark Warner, um, who was helping fund, fund this project. And Mark so Warner, one, like the senator, Mark Warner? Yeah, Mark Warner, the senator. And so one day I'm walking through, and he's having a meeting with some people, and he's like, so Dale, we're going to open up like eight restaurants, and I'm, you're going to get them all going, and then maybe after like five or six years, you know, we'll open up one for you. And I, I looked at him right away, and I was like, dude, you are crazy, because there's no way I'm doing that. I said, I, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it my way, and, and I'm not going to wait that long. And I have no interest in opening that many restaurants for someone else. And he looked at me kind of stunned. And I said, you know, don't, don't take that badly. It's just the way you taught me, you know, to be passionate and, and do what you want to do and go out there and go for it. <clears throat> and so that was kind of the thing of it. And it's the same thing I teach, you know, my cooks, my chefs, you know. I said, like, when you come here, man, I'm not teaching you to be a cook. I'm teaching you to be a chef. I want you to go out there and do your own thing because I think <clears throat> Chef Jibbon restaurants are usually the best restaurants because those guys, you know, go out there and want to show what they can do and, and do their style of food. And I think that's what the restaurant industry is all about. So what's the work breakdown at your restaurants? Who does what and what, what percentage? Oh, <clears throat> we, uh, we know our boundaries, that's for sure. There's uh, lanes? There are definitely lanes. There's a, there's a border in the restaurant that I don't cross. Um, 
so obviously I'm the chef, so I, I do the back of the house. And obviously she's the restaurant owner, one of the restaurant owners, and she's the grace of the front of the house. And she's attention to detail. And I mean, I hate to say it, but she pretty much runs the whole show. I just in charge of the food and the chefs and stuff like that. Well, it runs like a well-oiled machine. So if somebody's doing something we're, right. We're 50-50 <laughs> for sure. And it's really nice because we kind of, you know, joke, you know, we work together, but we don't really see each other or talk to each other during the day. It's because we each have our own jobs and our days are very different. And I can, you know, come home and say, well, this happened and, you know, vice versa. And, um, you know, we're not, we, we both, we trust each other, you know, emphatically. And we just know that he has the same thought process that I have. And it just, it just works. There's been one so the first location for Acacia was in Carytown. Yeah. Correct. How was it going up and down those stairs? It was my workout. That was, that, <laughs> that was her thing. I was, I, was, I, was, I was in the dungeon. I was in the cave downstairs. And so, you know, the only time I ran the stairs was busy lunch. And at that time, Kevin Roberts from Pearly's was working lunch with me. And we would set these records where we're going to crush it today. We're going to, and the only way we could do it sometimes was both me and him running trays of food upstairs so that the servers could get the food out. I mean, we would just, but man, I couldn't do that every day. That was a lot of stairs. I mean, I give those guys kudos who worked the front of the house. that had to trek that day in, day out. So right there in Carytown, the big white building. Sure. That we're talking, and it was like in the, almost in the hallway in the front. Right. Yeah. Where it was such a, cool way to set up a because you had i don't know furniture place or a lady shop or an, yeah there was a team. you could come in there and spend the day and a lot of people did you could <laughs> get your hair done have lunch go shopping glass of wine or, right your hat home or for clothes so, so i mean it was you know it it was a great start for us it was you know a unique space but we accomplished a lot more there than we ever thought we would yeah we had pvc pipe that went from the main dining room down into the kitchen that they would drop the tickets for the orders in and it would just drop and we'd pull them out, you know. Saved us one trip up and down the yeah. stairs. No way! Yeah. I had no idea that was going on. And what year did that restaurant open? We opened in 98 and we closed in 2008. New Year's Eve of 2007-2008. That one location or the, mm -hmm, between the location. two? Okay. Yep. So that was the first... And I, it Ten was, years is a good run. It's an incredible run. I feel like they're like maybe Richmond's first entertainment when you think about it. Because you could see everybody coming around and mm -hmm. then you could sit on that porch and watch everybody in Carytown. Yeah, the porch was great. It was The whole right. thing was just a brilliant. I thought it was a brilliant location. But I was, you know, my mom would come and shop at, I think it Annette was Annette Dean. Dean. Mm -hmm. And I would sit and, I mean, I love coffee, obviously, still. And so I'd sit and hang out and then have lunch. It was just so cool. So 2008, and then where was the next location? The next location was Carrie and Robinson, and we opened there in December of 2008. So we were almost a year um, under construction and, and reopening. For individuals that are not certain as to where that is, it's across the street from the now PBR, which is the People's Beer but whatever the Eat restaurant is. Mm -hmm. um, and that you guys did from soup to nuts. Right, it was yeah. a printing company. We kept, we looked all over the city and we knew our lease was up um, at the, the old church building. And so 
started looking and we kind of kept coming back to this building. We felt like we were five blocks from where we had started. So we really weren't that far. We were two blocks outside of Carytown. We weren't going, you know, drastically to some other corner of the city. Um, and we just kind of kept coming back to that building. It was a printing company. Um, and we gutted it on a very, you know, meager budget and turned it into Acacia 2.0. You know, and people thought we were crazy because at the time we were right across from the GRTC bus depot. And people were like, what are you doing? You're like in a rough part of town. I was like, no, we're not really. We're an extension of the fan. We're not far from Carytown. I said, you know, I'd like to see this place really, you know, come up and see what happens to it over time. And, you know, I really missed the GRTC bus station, even though it wasn't, a, you know, pretty on the eyes. But, you know, hearing the bus drivers talk to each other as they're changing shifts, that was just fantastic. They'd Those come guys in were... and, like, peek in the door, see what we were doing, <laughs> talking to us. I mean, it was it was fun. It was a fun atmosphere. And we, we really, you know, loved being there and the, the energy that kind of grew up around us there. You guys really did – it. You all anchored the energy. It, I mean, it really started, and then everything kind of flourished around you. As man, I didn't. I've never even thought about. I mean, I ate at Acacia, you know, stood underneath your little thing when it rained, all that stuff, but never really thought about the fact that, like, you know, now there's apartments where the bus depot, like, everything grew up. The whole neighborhood there. is different. How did your food evolve from being in the dungeon, as you say, to having that probably an infinitely larger kitchen? You know, it's a, you know, I don't know if it's evolved. You know, you know, you start off when you do your first restaurant and you're like, okay, from all my other restaurant jobs I've had, you know, I've developed this catalog of dishes I've wanted to do. And that changes all the time. Um, but, you know, when I took, when we took over the first Keisha, it was Martini's at the time, you know, restaurant, the lunch business was already there. And so I knew that that would at least pay the bills. So we kind of didn't venture far from off the format that was already there and kind of just tweaked it over time. You know, mainly, I guess for me, the evolution was was my passion for the ocean and seafood. And so I've always thought there's so much more finesse in cooking seafood than there is cooking chicken and pork and beef, which, you know, they're also great fun to cook. But seafood, there's it's ever-changing. You know, the fish, what they eat, their diets, the fat content – um, it's always changing. And so one piece of fish you get in one day, you get another, the same type of fish in the next day. And it could be, you have to look at it and know that you have to cook it differently because the fat content's different or the texture's different. And so I enjoyed that part of it. That was the really like the passion that got out of me. Where did that passion for seafood come from? What's the backstory there? I mean, I don't know. You know, I grew up a Navy brat down in Chesapeake Bay in Virginia Beach. And, you know, I grew up swimming in the bay and surfing in the ocean. And my dad loved to fish. And, I, you know, I fished as much as I could. And when I started working for Jimmy at Windows, it was on Urbana Creek. And so, you know, his thing was seafood. And we got the whole fish in. We didn't get none of this flayed junk already, you know, flayed sitting in a bag of liquid. We got all whole fish in, scaled it, 
broke it down. I can't say we, me, not him. <laughs> um, broke down the fish. He Shots fired. <laughs> and, he watched. <laughs> and flayed it. And so, you know, I mean, that's when I really was really, I mean, I, I did grow up in Virginia Beach and I did work in restaurants, cooking seafood restaurants there. But, you know, it, nothing like what I learned working for Jimmy at Windows. I mean, the seafood coming in there was the best. I mean, we were getting it from all up and down the coast and you know, he was really a proponent for seeking out the best, you know, not just getting seafood in, but getting the best seafood in. I, I over the pandemic, they were gracious enough to um, allow us into their kitchen so I could follow him along while cooking seafood. We hosted a scan, essentially virtual dinner together. And I learned like, and I grew up in a restaurant. Um, I learned like 10 billion things while cooking with you and seafood. And that just one I don't know, was it an hour that you cooked? I think it was about an hour, yeah. I mean, it was incredible. We cooked scallops. Oh. Um, and my scallops have never been better, by the way. I can't wait for the invite to come over and try them sometime. They've been, they're so good. They're so good now. Looking have forward to that. Can we get a date hammer down? Can we just give me a... Right now. A, on you the calendar? Put it on the calendar? You mentioned earlier the importance of like being a mentor to your chefs. And Roby mentioned off the top how you kind of have this tree of, of chefs that have worked in your kitchen and have gone on to open up other places in Richmond. Can you just go down the list if you don't mind, like some of the names that on the front of your front of your brain? Oh, well, that's a good question. Um, I, my memory is not always the greatest. So if I forget anyone, don't take it personally. I mean, you guys know who I am already. <laughs> you know, um, so, you know, Kevin. Kevin worked for me uh, from Pearly's. And Kevin worked with me at the Frog and Redneck when I was running the kitchen there. And I have the utmost respect. I think he's one of the most talented sh- chefs I've ever worked for worked with, I'm sorry, and I've enjoyed watching him and his life evolve. Um, he's been through a lot, and, you know, he, he is, he's doing what he should be doing. Maybe sometimes he doesn't feel like it, but he's, he's absolutely talented. Um, then, you know, Phil Perot, who was partners with uh, Caleb and Michelle at uh, Dutch & Company, uh, he's doing more corporate now, but, you know, Phil worked for me for a long, long time, and young and passionate, and you know, just like I was, you know, he went out and seek to do his own thing. And I have the utmost respect for that. Um, you have Lee Gregory, you know, he's got an wife and Fish Odyssey and he's partners with Joe at Southbound. And he worked for me for a long time. And then we opened up Sixbound, which is where Sixburner, uh, where uh, Heritage is now. And I did that, you know, kind of for him to like, you know, let him run a kitchen and kind of evolve his own food. And, you know, we had that for a while and, um, you know, we ended up selling it and he ended up staying on and working for Rye Marchand. You know, it was good that he worked for Rye because then he got, you know, really like break free of me. Um, And that's hard sometimes to break away from your, your, you know, chef you work for. And, um, you know, he went on and did some traveling to figure out his passage. And, you know, he came back and he's doing his thing. I mean, he's got a great following. Um, You know, there's some other guys who've, are out there who work for me. Um, there's a guy named Josh who's a pastry chef in California. He worked at Meadow Wood. Meadow Wood. Um, Meadow, the, um, Dan Barber's restaurant. Yeah. That's sadly no longer due to fire. But, yeah. um, but he's doing his own thing out there. Um, you know, there's uh, TJ Enderley who, you know, he went to run, you know, uh, Tuffy's sharper, sharper palate catering for a long time, and now he's working for Stella's Grocery. He's a sweetheart of a guy. Um, 
you know, so there's, you know, if you guys, is there a, a common thread with these with the individuals who like, you, can you, can you spy, can you spot like a talent or a particular trait that you say, this is the kind of person I want to elevate or I want to put more pressure on or who I want to see what they can do. Yeah. You know, um, the guys like that, you know, they're, they're unique. They've got genuine passion in them. They, they have curiosity. They don't mind the work. Um, and they don't mind me, you know, pushing them like, hey, okay, you, you accomplished that. Great. Let's move on and let's do something because I'm sure they will tell you there's a, every time there's a couple times in a day or in a week and I'll say, you know what? And they always go, oh, God, oh, God, because <laughs> that means I want to try something new. I mean, I don't have the time to, to work up on that dish on my own. So, you know, I'll say, hey, this is my idea. Let's start working on it. And these guys would come back and. You know, nine out of ten times they would actually accomplish, achieve the same thought process that I just, you know, communicated to them. And that was that you can tell that there's going to be something special there. Do you have the same type of feeling about the front of the house? Because I think it takes a ton of talent in both spaces, back of the house and front of the house. Do you? Do you, is there something you see in a good front of the house employee that you can put your finger on? Absolutely. I mean, the, I think one of the biggest things for Dale and I <clears throat> is that we believe that it's a team that makes us successful and we don't have all the skill set possibly to, you know, strive to accomplish what we set out to. Um, and so it's building just a great team that helps us do that. Um, and the hospitality factor for me is really huge. Um, you know, from the time people come in the door, the first impression, the last impression, and everything that happens in between, um, and just the genuine passion to help create that experience for the guests. It doesn't have to be over the top or frou-frou, just the simple fact of having a clean table when you are seated having the proper silverware when you know your dish is is being served um offering refills of beverages and just things done right um kind of the sense of of entertaining every night um and you know we've we've had the fortune as in the front of the house as much as the back of the house to just work with some amazing people that um help make acacia what it is you know i think um we uh you know we hire people but you know we work with them you know it's not like you work for me you work with us you know that's the thing about us i mean she's out there clearing tables and and marking tables and checking the door and i'm back there i'm working a station and if someone gets down put down gets behind i go down there and help them or i direct someone to go help them and then at the end of the night, you know, I, I'm doing dishes and she's had help resetting. You know, it's not like, hey, we walk in the door and say, hey, this needs to be done. This needs to be done. The numbers aren't right. This and that. You know, we're in there working side by side. And we never ask anyone to do anything that we're not willing to do ourselves. I think that's incredible. You guys are also, as I said, scan one, but you're ridiculously philanthropic. I asked you all to be come last week and you had... A dinner cystic fibrosis dinner. that you you all do every year mm -hmm. um that's a lot of time and effort from the both of you and then you spearheaded and run 
Richmond Restaurant Week. Yep. My, well, my role is a little bit further removed this year just because we are not a participating restaurant because we are not currently open. So we probably wouldn't be talking if that was the case. But uh, um, no, of course so we wouldn't because you'd be right. all over the right. place. Everything is organized. It's tied up in a little box and it's, you know, done at this point. So for the fall. Well, uh, let's walk through this. This is a big deal. This whole you you all give a certain amount of money to feed more, mm-hmm. and it um, is a set dinner. However, the price is twenty seven dollars nineteen cents, twenty nine dollars eighteen cents, and then a certain amount of that goes. And thirty, fifty, so many restaurants in Richmond participate. Correct. Right. We're working our way up um, from the last two years, and we are about um, halfway back to normal, I would say. Um, We have over 30 restaurants. I think we're closer to 40 um, for this year, 2022. Um, It's a three-course prefix menu available at any of the participating restaurants, and $5.22 from each menu is given to Feed More. And we're, this is our 21st year, um, started in 2001. We kind of missed 2020. and you didn't miss much 2020. Not, not much <laughs> happened that year. Yeah. We all missed 2020. <laughs> right. um, you know, it's locally owned restaurants. There's an awesome buzz and energy. Um, and, you know, being a participating restaurant, listening to the guests chatting with each other. Oh, I'm going here. I'm going here. I went there. You know, and it's, it's an excuse, an amazing excuse to go out to dinner at, every night. It, it is the best excuse to go out to dinner every night because the totals that you give back to feed more are staggering the restaurant community i think it's one of their largest fundraisers that's local here and i think it's just really amazing why did you decide to start that what's the birth process there so i grew up in new jersey and um, being in the restaurant business when new york restaurant week started it was Gosh, you can go to like Union Pacific and you can go to all these, you know, amazing restaurants and you know what you're going to spend and it was affordable and you get to try these restaurants. And so shortly after we opened Acacia in 98. So in 2001, um, it was an idea and I brought on nine local restaurants. They sat on our porch overlooking Carytown and I pitched the idea to them and um, knew that Richmond um, was a very um, charitable and giving community. I knew that you couldn't just say, hey, it's restaurant week, go out to eat and support the restaurants. And so wanted to line up this opportunity with what in my mind made the most sense was the food it was central virginia food bank at that time um so restaurateurs are feeding you know the general public on every given day and this money would then in turn feed those that needed help that were in need um and so we started 2001 with the nine local restaurants and it was one week a year and it grew our 10th year anniversary. I think we grew to a biannual event. Um, and so there's been kind of milestones. Um, and Feed, Feed More then became what was Central Virginia Food Bank. And it's just been an amazing relationship with Feed More um, and with the local restaurant community that has supported this event by participating 
and then the Richmond community, the dining community that supports this event um, each and every year. It's such a cool event because you really can get three courses from a restaurant that maybe three courses would be out of your budget if right. it was, a, I mean. Oh, I've been many times. <laughs> I'm definitely a repeat customer for right. Richmond the Restaurant Week. The hope is that you go and try someplace new that you haven't been before. And, you know, the hope for the, the bonus potentially for the restaurant is that they're um, attracting new potential regular customers. So it's a win, 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 win. win. <laughs> it's like many, many wins. We do want to talk about the next big project in your lives. So you opened a restaurant in the 90s, right? <laughs> you opened a restaurant in the early 2000s or, you know, whatever. What is it like opening a restaurant in 2022? Well, this is this is um, starting from a gravel floor. So this is the first iteration of Acacia where we really get to do hopefully absolutely everything that we vision. And for those who don't know, what exactly is happening? So we are um, in the build-out phase of opening Acacia, which was always the intention when we closed Acacia. We just wanted to find a new home and... Um, we have um, landed on Libby Mill. We love that area, have loved that area. Um, think it's really exciting what they're doing over there. Um, it's a great community. It's very centrally located. Um, and we have a space that has drywall. We have a walk-in and we have a hood. Um, and uh, so it will be our third Acacia Midtown. Yeah, you know, construction, you know, everyone thought we were geniuses because we closed right before the pandemic, which was purely by luck, wasn't pre-planned that way. And then they go, and then I said, yeah, we were lucky, but now we are picking probably the worst time to construct a restaurant. So I think it's come back to even the playing field out. Not so smart, are we? <laughs> you know, I tell the guys in our construction meetings, I was like, how about if put this in restaurant perspective? What if you sat down at the table in my restaurant and ordered rockfish for 25 bucks? And then I come out and tell you that, okay, the rockfish, I'll have it out to you in about two weeks, <laughs> but it's going to cost you 45 bucks. <laughs> and then I call you a week later and say, hey, I have an idea. If you get salmon, I can get it to you sooner at this price. Well, that's kind of what construction is like. <laughs> Sounds pretty stressful. <laughs> oh, gosh, it does sound pretty stressful. And I don't blame the construction company. I mean, there's a ton of construction going on. It's, you know, actually supply issues, you know, and it's it's crazy. And, I, you know, I don't know how those guys do it for a living. You know, it's 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 nuts. So we, we don't want to put you on a, on a hard and fast timeline here because I know those are very flexible these days. But like in your in your heart of hearts, in your mind's eye, where when can we have our first meal at your new restaurant? We actually have a meeting this afternoon that will give us a better idea about that. Um, we're hopeful for this year. Oh, this really? year? Well, I know, hopeful, but right, that still hopeful. makes me super right. hopeful. Wow. I mean, we started October and then it was November, so that's the best I can say for now. Love it. Yay. I really like Liberty Mill, too. I think that whole area is just very neat, what they're doing. Locally owned restaurants, lots mm -hmm. of great ones, everybody kind of in the same place. I think it's fantastic. So I hear things about you and your gym <laughs> stuff, and we got to talk about it. Oh, yeah. Apparently, you can do more sit-ups than anybody. 
I, I wouldn't know about that. You know, when the pandemic <laughs> I have hit, been on the treadmill watching. When the pandemic so. <laughs> hit, you know, it took a little hit on me. You know, we were at home. The gyms were closed. Um, there was a lot of cooking at home um, and a lot of eating going on at home. And so I took a little turn to the south and got, got a little heavier than I want. But now it's been a, it's been a while. I've been working out. I'm almost getting there again. He's so. looking pretty buff. I was going to say, he's like kind of busting out of that shirt, his, his biceps there. Well, do you remember when Lee was here, he was talking about what a beast he is? I do remember that, yeah. yeah. Not that you mention it. He actually was, dis- we discussed what a beast you are <laughs> on the podcast. And I was saying that I have been in a gym at one point that you were in and you were doing, like you were like holding on to something doing. So, so let, let's have the number right now of, that's what do you want, full pull-ups, because I know you can do those. Uh, full, no. Like good form, good form eight. eight, eight, yeah. I could, I can do zero. I was gonna say in high school, I could have done eight, maybe. I'm I don't know about now, dip, man. I like doing dips. <laughs> there it is. You're listening to Eat It, Virginia, with Roby Scott and the writers of the soon to be Acacia. Hopefully this year. I like ranch dip. <laughs> <laughs> As Roby mentioned in the podcast, Richmond Restaurant Week is upon us later this month in October. And now you've heard the, the backstory behind it all. So you can do all sorts of fun eating the 24th through the 30th of October. Um, Alewife is part of it. Birdies, if you've not been, that's a fun one. Conejo, which is like one of my favorite Mexican restaurants right now. And you could totally go there. Southbound. There's some really, really great restaurants that you can Hit up in between the 24th and the 30th. Let's do an Eat It Virginia yeah. night somewhere. Ooh. You and me and some of our listeners. Let's do it. I say we should. You pick the restaurant. We'll pop it up on social media. Yeah. Then we'll call the restaurant and say we're coming. Um, maybe maybe we'll hit a restaurant that neither one of us have been to. Love it. Would you like my list of ones I haven't been to lately so you can decide? Let's do Yeah, of course. <laughs> Is there a restaurant you haven't been to? I'd love to hear this. So it's been a while since I've been to the Shaved Duck. Have you ever been? I have not. So I feel like that's a good one. Um, have you ever been to Southern Kitchen? She's been on the podcast. I love Southern Kitchen. So it's been a while since I've been there. When was the last time you were at Roland's? The last time I was at Roland's was when it was called Stella's. Was when it was called Stella's? <laughs> well, there you go. Those are the three I think we should decide in between, we'll pop that up on the Instagram. Maybe they can a little poll. Yeah, a little poll. A little IG poll. A little IG poll, and then we'll choose, and y'all all come with us. This episode of Eat It Virginia. <laughs> Eat It Virginia. <laughs> this episode of Eat It Virginia. <laughs> no. Oh God, no.